Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask up to half my kingdom. You have no kingdom. You're not a king. Quit being delusional. You're not as great as you think you are. You have no king. You have no kingdom. And even if you did, it's only a quarter of what your dad had because he gave it to your other brothers. So it's not even all that impressive, dude. Like, you're not that great. He's like, you can have it all. But he has to do this. And he's obviously, he's impressed by what he sees and what happened there. Sin makes you stupid. Are there some leaders in your life that you find difficult to respect? Are there people in places of power that just make your stomach churn because of the example they set? Well, today Pastor James explains that there's always going to be bad leaders in life, and God wants you to push through. No matter how many awful things leaders do, you need to stay strong for His glory. Sin will ruin everything. So instead of wallowing in your frustrating situation, give it to God and be an example for God's kingdom. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 6, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Continuing on through the book of Mark, and and just so you know, context-wise, Jesus has sent out his 12. He sent them out to to these surrounding regions in that Galilee area. They're going out with his authority to heal people, to cast out demons, and, and all that good stuff. And he's like, you go into somebody's house, if they receive you, you hang out with them. And you do what? Well, you just tell them what I have been telling you and everybody else. It's as simple as that. How do we minister? How do we serve? Tell people what Jesus has said. That's all you have to do. You don't have to be super creative. If you're like, if that's the thing that's been holding you back, of like, I just don't know what to say, just tell them what Jesus told them. You can't go wrong with that. That's good. That's like, that's more than enough. Jesus sends out his 12. They go out, they're ministering and all that good stuff. In the meantime, the chronological order of this is... I mean, it's kind of like, when, when, is, when are these events happening? When did John get arrested? Uh, he got arrested probably prior to Jesus sending out his 12 into the surrounding areas, okay? Because we know that John sent his disciples to go and talk to Jesus, and he's like, look, I'm, I'm locked up. Is he really the one? <laughs> That's John the Baptist, who celebrated that the Messiah was here while he was inside his mother's womb. He was that moved by the presence of Jesus that he, even inside of mama's womb, he was celebrating. And John the Baptist, who Jesus would say, there's, there's not been a man greater born to a woman than John the Baptist. That's a great compliment coming from Jesus. John the Baptist is like, tells his disciples, his students, go talk to Jesus. I need to know, is, is he the one or should we look for another? Because I'm in jail. I'm in jail for doing what's right. Jesus sends John's disciples back to him, and he lets them know. He's like, yeah, tell them, hey, what you've seen, what you heard, it's all true. Basically saying, yeah, I'm the Messiah, John. Be encouraged. And then as soon as John's disciples leave Jesus, that's when he goes on to talk about how tremendous a man John the Baptist was. 
And some in between that point to, to this point, all this good stuff, John loses his life. And this is kind of like a flashback scene in a movie. You're watching through a movie and then, and then they kind of pause and they want to retell what has already taken place. That's where we're at in Mark chapter six. So look at verse 14. It says, uh, Herod Antipas, the king, the king. That's a joke, by the way. Um, he is not a king, Okay. So if you see that, I know there's been questions about that. Like, hey, I thought Israel didn't have a king and all that. No, this is a joke. Like, not like a ha-ha joke, but like a joke. Like, he's, he wanted people to call him king. He, he was aggressively pursuing that title. And alongside his, his wife, who we'll talk about in a, in a second, um, she really wanted him to have that title. So he demanded that all people refer to him as King Herod right? He didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. Uh, he has no kingdom. He's only ruling a quarter of what his dad ruled over. He's not, if he's a king, he's not even that impressive. He's a joke. He's a joke. I got not a lot of respect for Herod. Just not a lot. Um, in case you don't feel that coming from me, uh, I just don't have a ton of respect for this guy. Says he soon heard about Jesus because everyone was talking about him. Well, that's good. Um, some were saying this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is why he can do such miracles. Others were saying he's the prophet Elijah, right? Because they were anticipating the return of Elijah. Still others said he's a prophet like the other great prophets of the past. Now, I know your translation may say that it was Herod himself was thinking this has got to be John the Baptist, like come back to life. Because the New Living Translation clarifies that in a second. In verse uh, 16, it says, When Herod thought about Jesus, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has come back from the dead. So context-wise, this is happening as a result of Jesus sending out the 12. Herod gets word back because he ruled over the Galilee region. And so he's hearing about these 12 going out, and he's hearing about Jesus doing all these miracles. And immediately his guilt kicks up inside of him. He's like, I just, I just chopped off a guy's head. And now that guy's come back to haunt me. He knew till, till the day he died, he carried this guilt with him. That he was the one responsible for John the Baptist's death. It's all on his. John's, John's blood was on Herod's hands until the day he died. And it troubled him until the very end. He's a coward. He's a spineless coward is what he is. And I have no problem saying that because that's who he is. He gets all panicky because he's hearing these stories and he's like, oh no, he's a very superstitious man. And he sees what Jesus is doing. He's like, man, he's come back to get me. He's come back to get me. The ghost or John resurrected. And his fear was that as he's carrying this guilt with him this entire time, his fear was that Jesus, who is really John reincarnated, kind of what he's thinking, is here to take away his power and his rule. He's an insecure man, as oftentimes political leaders are. Um, they like to flex their muscles to try to impress everybody have how great they are. This is who Herod was. And so he's now he's all stressed out and worried about this and everything, and then this this. These stories of Jesus is what triggers this memory, so to speak, where Herod starts thinking back. And Mark's going to retell what happened to this tremendous man, John. 
It says in verse 17, this is where the flashback begins. That's when they're like, doo 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 right? Like that happens and you go back to these, you know, the flashback scenes and everything within the movie. Here it is. It says, Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to uh, Herodias. That's his wife. Well, wait a minute. It says she had been his brother, Philip's wife. Oh, it gets better. Um, <laughs> it's not, he didn't just bury his sister-in-law. He marries his half-niece who married her uncle and divorced him and then married her other uncle who was Herod the king. Ugh, it's gross. Hey, you, if you're into like drama, like uh, reality TV and all that nonsense and you love drama, um, let me save you some time. Just read your Bible. Like, it, come on. Like, you can't even write storylines. Like, this is like... This is crazy. This reminds me of, like, when I was in high school, I took Spanish. Um, number one, because it was required. The other part was I wanted, I wanted to know another language. So I took a lot of Spanish, and what I learned was that it's best to immerse yourself within the culture, right? You really want to pick it up. You've got to just immerse yourself. So for me, I hung around with the, uh, most of my friends were Hispanic. Um, but what I discovered was there's a thing called Spanish television. I was like, well, there we go. I'm just going to watch Spanish TV, and I'll learn it that way. And I learned that there's no drama like Spanish TV, the novellas and all this stuff. I'm like, holy cow. I thought Umberto was dead, but he came back, and now he's the father of this guy. And it's like amazing, these storylines. Um, in reading through the Bible, you're like, what? This is crazy. This is the, but this is reality. This is how... This man, who's supposed to be a leader, should be ruling with integrity, but he doesn't even know how to spell the word. And now he's just imprisoned a man who embodies integrity. He, John is the personification of everything that Herod was not. He was holy, he was righteous, he was brave, he was bold, he was strong. Probably everything that Herod wished he was, he saw in John. He saw in him. And he only arrested him because his wife, who's his brother's former wife, they got divorced, but who was also his other brother's daughter, wanted John dead. Yeah, that's not a family tree. That's a family stump. And uh, there are no branches. It just keeps growing straight up. It's like, this is a mess. But he arrested John because John was just simply telling him, what you're doing is a sin. What you're doing is sin. And Herod didn't like that. But for sure, Herodias, she did not like that at all. So through all this sordid affair, he marries her and just all the junk. You can do your own historical research if you need to go further into the garbage. But let me just save you the time. It's, it's yuck. And it's sin. Before I move too far into this, uh, Herod Antipas, uh, Antipas was also, he was the son of Herod the Great. He's a baby murderer. If you remember, you want your Christmas story? Herod the Great was the guy trying to kill Jesus when he was born. And he was murdering babies because he was afraid that somebody, that a new king had shown up and somebody was going to take away his power. So what do you do? You kill all the babies, all the male children underneath this age. That was his dad. And so now here, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, especially when there's no branches. Here's Herod Antipas, who's 
so insecure, and now John is telling him, like, hey, what you're doing is sin, and you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. How dare you? I'm offended that you would say that something I'm doing is sinful. It is, but it is. Deal with it. It is. It's sin. He doesn't just say it so he makes them feel bad. He, he tells them it's sin so that he deals with it. Because Herod should know better. He should know better. He is familiar with the law. It wasn't like the law was foreign to Herod at all. He, he was familiar with it. He knew what the law said. So anyways, John had been telling Herod in verse 18, it's against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. And uh, by the way, she's your niece and that's gross. So stop doing it. Why, she, why does he even need to tell them this? If you know anything about Roman rulers and all that, you know that this is just uh, somewhat of a common scenario. But John's like, it's sinful. What you, what you did is sinful. You divorced your wife. She divorced her husband. She's your brother's wife. She's your niece. And you guys got married. And that's not okay. God doesn't approve of that. He doesn't approve of that. And so in him telling that to Herod, Verse 19, it says, Herodias, if that's even how you say her name, I think that's how you say her name, um, she bore a grudge against John, and she wanted to kill him. This is a, you know that quote, they attribute it to Shakespeare. Actually, Shakespeare never said it, but hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Yeah, that's her. When it says she held a grudge against John, it it means that she... um, she kind of focused in on him and she would never take her eyes off of him. She was always looking for an opportunity to kill this guy. Simply because he said, you're in sin. And that's not right. What was John's message? Repent. Repent. This is what God's word says. This is how you're living your life. It's sin. The two don't go together. You need to repent and stop living like this and turn to God. That's probably what he was telling them, and she hated him for it. So much so that she, she was planning, plotting, scheming, and all this stuff to murder this guy. But John was unwavered by it. He gets locked up for standing for the truth. Nowadays, it seems like within our beautiful little American Christianity, we'd be like, hey, just stop talking. Don't tell them they're sinners. You make them feel bad. And then people stop coming to church. Hey, we're sinners. We're sinners. Newsflash, we're all sinners. The church is where we ought to be. There should be more people at church because of the fact that we're all sinners in need of a savior. There's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's an offensive message. I know. The Bible already told us that. But it's a true message. And we're not going to be like those knuckleheads on the corner with the signs of like, repent and God hates you and all that. Because that's not an effective witness at all. That's not a good demonstration of the love of God at all. That's a horrible one. And I don't know of any people getting saved because of that guy. But you get a bunch of guys together covered in tattoos with long dreads and all sorts of stuff who have been radically transformed by the grace of God, and it was his kindness that led them to repentance. And then they get together, and for like 11 plus years now, they've been cruising all around this country telling people that the Lord loves you, but you are a sinner, and you need to turn from your sins. No sugarcoating, no soft selling, no nothing like that. 
And people are getting saved from that. Do people get turned off by that message? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that we stop communicating that. Now, wisdom for you and for myself is how do you communicate that in a loving way to those loved ones, those coworkers that you have? You can just show up in their face like, sinner, repent, right? You just lost a friend, right? They're never going to talk to you again, okay? Because you're the weirdo now. Like, you're that crazy person. But if you actually give them a time of the day to talk to them and to speak to them and treat them like a human being, an individual, and see what's going on within their lives, why maybe they're living the way they're living, get to know them, and you demonstrate the love of God. And yes, you speak when you need to speak, absolutely. And don't shy away from it. But when you actually start to know who people are and maybe why they do what they do and all that good stuff, I know that the Holy Spirit will give you the right words at the right time to communicate to those people. But we don't shy away from the message. The same message, John preached it, Jesus preached it, the disciples were out cruising around the Galilee region preaching the same exact message. Repent, the kingdom of God is here. Turn from your sins. If you're doing something you you know you shouldn't be doing, then stop doing that and turn to Jesus. Well, I don't want to. Okay, but your life would be so much better if you did. Do you wonder why there's no peace within your heart and your soul? That peace has surpassed all understanding. I mean, you guys know my story. When I was 19, that's when I got saved and that, and that I finally owned up to the fact like, man, I am a sinner. I'm, I am a sinner. And when I owned that and I acknowledged that and I, I just gave that to the Lord, I'm like, I, I don't know why you want me, but you have me. Because I, I don't know if you, what you want from me or what you want to do with me or why you even want me, but I know I want you. And I want that free gift that you're offering me. And that was enough. But then this huge wave of just peace and freedom came over me. Herod's getting his messages from John and all this good stuff. Uh, the whole time, he liked to hang out with John. He liked to hear John tell him the truth, which is kind of a weird relationship. All the whole time, uh, Herod's wife is like scheming on him, right? She's trying to figure out how to kill this guy. Just picking up back within the text, it says, um, verse, let me jump back into verse 19. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless. That probably drove her nuts too. Uh, For Herod respected John. He also feared John. So that respect, fear, that's kind of the same term there. He feared him because he he was a holy man. He says, knowing that he was a good and holy man, he protected him. So he just locked him up. He locked him up in jail. Herod was uh, greatly disturbed or greatly, or greatly puzzled uh, whenever he talked with John. But even so, he liked to listen to him. So he arrests this guy who he's fascinated with. And he, he keeps him in a jail. So that way, he kind of protects him from from actually being murdered by his wife. And he would go frequently, is what it says, and he would, he would sit and talk with John. And one of John's common messages to Herod was, it's a sin. You're married to that woman. That's a sin. He kept coming back. He came, I'm sure he told him more things than just that, but he kept coming back to hear John's message 
And he showed up again and again, every Sunday, every Thursday, hearing the word, hearing the word, but it had no effect. No effect. It never changed him because he never really received the word. He wasn't going to do anything with the word. He was just intrigued by the word. Puzzled is what it says. Verse 21, um, Rhodia, her chance finally came on Herod's birthday. He gave a party for his high government officials, army officers, and leading citizens of Galilee, of course. He has all the bigwigs there, all the rulers, all the, the main movers and shakers of the town. It says, then his daughter, well, his daughter, who's technically his uh, stepdaughter, because I believe that she was already born and she was the daughter of Herodias. Um, so it would have been like his niece, but now his stepdaughter, it's confusing. It's, it's weird. Oh, it gets great. It gets better. Look at this. His daughter, in New Living Translation, got this wrong, also named Herodias. That could have been her name as well, just like her mom's, but yours probably says uh, Salome, which is really what her name was, S-A-L-O-M-E. She came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guests. No little ears. Good. Um, this is uh, technically, this is like a, a very provocative dance. This is like a striptease is what she did. This is gross. She's your niece and now your stepdaughter. And she's dancing for you provocatively. Ugh. And you're enjoying it. No respect for this guy. None at all. If you read through the Bible and you're like, I feel like I should love everyone. No. No. Yes, God loves, he loved the whole world that he died for the whole world. I have no respect for guys like this. None. None at all. Men within the sex trafficking industry, no respect. None at all. Ugh, don't even get me started. I feel the blood pressure rising. I'm like, ugh. Um, I, I don't have any, no compassion, no respect. I mean, and maybe the Lord needs to work on that in my heart. If so, so be it. That's fine. I have no, no respect for people who take advantage of kids. None. None at all. None at all. And I don't want to expose too much of what I truly feel about them because you might lose respect for me. But anyways, I got to move on. His daughter performed a dance for him. And in the presence of all these men, now, his daughter, she's of marrying, marrying age, which means she's a middle teenager. She's in that middle, so maybe 14, 15, 16 years old. How is this even allowed? How is it even allowed? How is this even thought of as a good a mom's like, yeah, you know what would be cool? Go out there and dance for your dad. What? You can tell where their moral compass is, right? It's gross. It greatly pleased him. Now he's acting like an idiot. He says, ask me for anything you like, the king says to the girl, his daughter. And I will give it to you. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask, up to half my kingdom. You have no kingdom. You're not a king. Quit being delusional. You're not as great as you think you are. You have no king. You have no kingdom. And even if you did, it's only a quarter of what your dad had because he gave it to your other brothers. So it's not even all that impressive, dude. Like, you're not that great. He's like, you can have it all. But he has to do this, and he's obviously, he's impressed ugh, by what he sees and what happened there. Sin makes you stupid. 
Sin makes you stupid. Write that in your Bibles. Sin makes you stupid. We're so glad that you joined us for a look at the Gospel of Mark here on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James will continue to take you verse by verse through this New Testament book about Jesus. There's so much to learn. We pray that you've heard something today that's drawn you deeper into your relationship with the Lord. Do you have questions about what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus? Well, we would love to hear from you and talk more. So go to breadforthebroken.com and click on contact to leave a message for us. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Or if you're in the Galveston area, we would love to get to know you in person too. Join us on Sundays or Thursdays as we study God's Word together at Calvary Galveston. You'll find service times, more information, and directions at our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We're so grateful for our listening audience. And if this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider teaming up with us in a financial way? A lot is done to get these teachings out on the radio. And we're so grateful for those who feel led by God to contribute in that way. Simply go to the About tab on our website and you'll find the Donate link. We'd also like to ask you to be praying for us and for your fellow listeners. We can all use God's guidance and continued grace as we navigate this world with Him. Thanks for praying. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can also find it on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for tuning in today to Bread for the Broken.